Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today we are joined by Michelle Roxon, lead people partner at SOPA. SOPA have been turning money on its head since 2005 with their savings and loan products. Michelle is an HR professional with extensive experience in a number of different industries, including the big four, property consultancy and financial services. She's here today to share her story and some of the learns along the way. Michelle, great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Nadia. I'm really excited to be involved and kind of for your audience to get to know a little bit about me. Yeah, great. I'm, I'm super excited to have you here. And look, in your own words, it'd be great to hear about your role at Zopa and what it actually entails. So currently, as I mentioned, I am a lead people partner at Zopa. And it's a really it has a very, very broad remit. But really, essentially, we are within the people function, we're there to enable our leaders to do meaningful work and to create kind of memorable career journeys for our Zopians, as we call them. And we do that through a number of different interventions, but really kind of direct into Zopa being truly industry leading in the way that we work and also industry leading in some of the loans, credit cards, short and, and long term savings products that we offer. Our trust pilot score at the moment is 4.5%. And I would challenge anyone listening to this to go and have a look at the trust pilot score for their current <laughs> financial services provider and then maybe look us up. And I love that you call, call yourself Zopians. That's a, a great way of saying it. Tell us, what actually drew you to Zopa in the first place? Yeah, of course. The last place I was, I was there for 10 years. I loved it. as uh, financial services consultancy. I was there for a little while and I kind of grew up there, got married, had my kids. And while I was on maternity leave, I thought, OK, maybe it's time for a new challenge. And if I don't leave now, I'll never leave because I'll go back and I'll fall back into the family. And it'll, it'll be really kind of tough to kind of think about that transition. So I started to kind of look around and think about the next logical move for me. And it was actually a colleague of mine who was working, an ex-colleague that was working at Zopra at the time, reached out to me and said, oh, we might have this opportunity. What do you think? And really, at that point, from a very personal point of view, the first thing I'm thinking, there are some key things that I want from a career point of view. But beyond that, I'm now a mum of two. And I need to be very, very clear about, A, how diverse this organisation is, and B, how flexible they are. And, you know, taking into consideration, I was fully planning to go back to work full time. But it's more, you know, you know, if you get a phone call and it says, and they say, you know, your your child at nursery has got, they're throwing up or they're sick or they've got temperature, you need to be able to drop everything you're doing and go. So I interviewed with lots and lots of firms who look great on paper, but when you ask really simple examples of, you know, what does flexibility look like for your workforce and what kind of work are they doing? They weren't really able to pinpoint any tangible examples of how people were doing it. And the way SOPA stood out to me was there were members of the team who had kids, who didn't have kids, of the people team as I was speaking to the recruiter. And they were able to give really tangible examples of how people work flexibly and, you know, the opportunities you have to have a life outside of work. And that was the really key draw for me, actually, from a very honest point of view feeling like, okay, it ticks the boxes from a career and a progression point of view, but also is it a place that I can call home after 10 years somewhere else? And it just felt really natural. I walked in for my interview, I looked around and I was like, yeah, this could be home. Just super diverse, super open and like a really, really nice bunch of people. And almost four years down the line, I, I would 100% you know, echo those thoughts from day one. What a great story. I just, I relate to so much of that. There's so many different challenges that you face being a carer being a mother being in a family right and actually being able to hear 
like where that flexibility actually comes in being able to see that I can do my job really well but I can Mm. also have the support from an understanding business like it's amazing that that stood out so much Um, exactly and I would say the same for anyone who is because I remember when I was interviewing lots of really close friends saying to me oh don't tell any prospective employers that you have kids because they might judge you harshly and I'm just like but if they're going to do that anyway, I'd rather know up front. I don't want to then, you know, misrepresent mm. myself, get the job, find myself in that situation and have a really tough time. So I would start most interviews with, my name's Michelle and I have two kids and then build <laughs> on it from there, right? <laughs> because yes. that's got to be the leading thing for me. That's you know, the biggest concern in terms of where I was going to end up. And I, I had I had no concerns from a Zopa point of view, just felt like home from day one. And I think, you know, your your friends giving you that advice is a reflection of the perception of the industry, but also the perception of the wider workplace, whatever industry. And that perception in many cases has been true. If you are a mother, if you are a carer, if you are of any particular demographic that you can think of, it suddenly means that you'll be excluded or put on the back foot. So it's brilliant that you can can give us such a great story and what the environment is truly like at Zopa. And I know, you know, we've spoken about this before, but you've also mentioned the importance of representation and awareness of that. So I wanted you to share with the audience some of your thoughts there also. Yeah, uh, 100%. And when I think about, you know, growing up in a working class household with a single parent who worked really, really long hours, you know, me and my sister were the very definition of, you know, latchkey kids. My parents, my mum worked really, really long hours. And so there was a responsibility on us to be responsible, which meant we didn't do any after school activities. We, we went to our school day and we went straight home. And this was the days of the house phone. So she would call the house phone at a certain time. And if you weren't there, then you were really going to get it. And so what that then meant is maybe we weren't as open to opportunities outside of our core group or my mum's friends or the things that we knew. And so for me, kind of growing up, going to university to do my degree, going on to do my master's, working for big four organisations and really seeing how those organisations drive and how very young people come into those organisations. I'm just like, you know, who wants to be an auditor at age 18? Like, how, What drew you to that? It's because they know someone or they've heard a story or there's a connection. And for me, that's probably the missing piece in the background that I was in. I didn't have those role models. And so I would say kind of going through my career and, and looking around, it's like, there are so many opportunities out there for people of colour, people from different demographics, but we just don't have visibility of them because they're not in our sphere of influence around the people that we have. So I'm kind of thinking about how we bring that to the fore to you know, really talented young individuals to understand the opportunities that are open for them and understand that they can achieve anything and trying to do the best you can to research and understand industries like fintech, which can feel very 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 siloed and very specific and people have very clear ideas of what they think being in a fintech is like and and and, you know there are very large established organizations and there are smaller organizations and it's thinking about where you think that you would fit or what the best place is for you but really that visibility for me is key having role models that you can be like oh that person did it I wonder if that means I can do it and that is so powerful isn't it like we cannot overlook that like being able to see somebody do something and say, wow, well, that means the door is open for me as well. Exactly. And, and mm-hmm. it's so, so powerful. And, and this is why podcasts like this are so important. 
You've mentioned it a number of times. You know, if you go onto Zopa's website, it's it's pretty much the first thing that you see that the marketing team of Zopa described the company to be diverse in people, but also diverse in approach. And that's something that's really come through on this podcast so far. Can you just tell us a little bit about how some of that works? I think probably at Zopa more than anywhere else, as we talk about our products, as we talk about our people, and as we talk about our interventions, the question that always comes first is, is this representative? Are we making sure that we are looking at uh, the population of Zopians and we're making sure that our products meet the needs of our populations over and above our external customers, for example? The real, the key thing for us is making sure that the work we're doing represents the needs of the Zopians as they are and then building on from there. And so that conversation comes up across various levels, regardless of how junior you are or even at leadership team meetings. It's always trying to tie it back to the wider context. And as we have the conversation, it's always also thinking about, do we have different views within the room? And if we don't have different views within the room, then we need to step back and make sure that we have that challenge. It's respectful challenge, but it's important to have that. Otherwise, you have a lot of people who think exactly the same, who will come up with products and interventions that might meet a very siloed section of the world, but doesn't think more broadly about all the nuances that individuals have within their lives at various points in their lives. So I think the way for me, the way diversity comes to life outside of, you know, the obvious, you know, I'm a female, I'm a black woman, all of that. Are we meeting the needs of individuals as they are and allowing them to come show up at work and be themselves? And if at any point we feel like we're not, then we need to step back and make sure that we are really thinking about what we can do, what interventions we can put into place to make sure that everybody feels like they can be themselves. Yeah, again, so powerful. And I think what really stands out is, you know, there's lots of people in our industry and it's great to see it that, that, you know, they're passionate about people, they're passionate about representation, they're passionate about social mobility, but often that isn't necessarily seen in the people's strategy of their businesses. Mm -hmm. Whereas I know that that is, that is something that you are so committed to. Mm -hmm. I wanted just to hear a little bit more on that as well, please. From a social mobility point of view? Yeah. Yeah. Really, for me, from a personal point of view, based on the point I, I touched on before, is thinking about giving visibility to people who don't have visibility of what these type of careers would look like. So we've worked with various organisations, but one of the organisations we're working with at the moment actually is Code First Girls, and it's hiring women into fintech, into mostly our software engineering areas within their business, who... A, have either had careers doing completely other things and come to tech or are graduates who are kind of coming out of uni thinking about what they want to do next and really kind of opening up the opportunities for them to see actually there is an opportunity for you to do some training right it's not this deep and meaningful 10-year training that makes you a software engineer there are some very key things that you can start learning and you could do a six-month program and be thinking about becoming a, a junior software engineer at Zopa and so there are so many opportunities and routes available to people that software engineering, for example, is not what it used to be. It's not the perception that people have of the demographic. It's much broader than that. And I challenge people to have an open mind and think about what they really want to do and not allow their perceptions of what they think it might be to be the thing that stops them. Do your research, figure out if it's right for you and find a way. But there are lots of opportunities. Yeah. And I love the fact that you, you know, you're challenging people and challenging the audience because I always introduce these podcasts as we are here to walk the talk for change. Like mm -hmm. I want people to listen to these these pods and go, right, 
I'm going to go and do this or I'm going to go and do that. I also want these podcasts to be a bit of like solace as well for people who are struggling within the industry. With that in mind, what would you like to see more of across the industry for inclusion? I would like to see more women like myself across the industry. Just I'm a black woman of a certain age and I'm a parent. And when you think about fintech, you probably don't think about me. But there are lots of us and we're not particularly visible for whatever reason. And so it's not so much let's start from scratch and build a pipeline. I know there are lots of us because I've come across lots of us. But sometimes you can feel like, actually, I don't want to be the poster child. right? I don't want to be the, the one representative of this particular demographic. It can be exhausting. But there are times when you really have to think representation is everything and you need to put the work in women like myself should be looking to the left and to their right and if you don't see anyone else like you you should be thinking about what can I do to make sure that when I do that next year or the year after that there are many more like me in the spaces that I'm in not because they're not welcome right because they don't see it they don't have that visibility so I need to make myself visible in a way that brings comfort to people who might think that they're not welcome in fintech or you know don't have an example of what a black woman in fintech might do like i'm not techie minded at all that fintech doesn't mean you're on the ground doing the finance or the tech bit there are a million careers that you can be involved in within the fintech industry and be able to build on your own experiences from that point on i love that and do you know what this entire part has been super super empowering like i feel like people listening to this will make a change they'll they'll either say right i need to change my environment or I need to change where I am and which environment I'm in. But either way, it's super, super inspiring that you have you have created what you have created at a fantastic company and that you're working on it day in, day out. And that visibility and representation really, really shines through. So thank you so much for joining us on the Women at Fintech podcast series. Thank you so much for having me, Nadia. It's been a pleasure.